If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go with me to Proverbs 22. Last week we were looking at one verse, and this week we'll be looking at one verse. Just kind of interesting where the reading had us going this past week. We happened upon this verse here in Proverbs 22, specifically in verse 6. Possibly a, a verse you've heard over the years, one that you might have quoted, been familiar with, one that you might lean on. And um, I'm anxious and excited for where the Lord's going to lead us during this time together. And um, so before we do so, I just ask that you take a moment here and, and pray with me uh, over our time here in the Word together. Would you pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time now as we focus our hearts on your word, and most importantly, we focus our hearts on what God wants to do in each of our lives. And Father, I know that this message, the timing of where you had us in the reading and this being our Affirmation Sunday, and Lord, an emphasis on the discipleship of young people. And I pray, Father, that you would grace this church, uh, Lord, with the incredible anointing of your spirit and, and trying to help guide and direct and lead young people in a deeper relationship with Jesus. And I pray, Father, for a blessing over um, our early childhood as they're meeting right now, and please bless the volunteers as they're showing them the love of Christ and teaching them. We ask a blessing on them, and I pray, Lord, for a blessing on our time here spent in your word, and we thank you now in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Proverbs 22, verse 6, different translations, depending on what you have, might be a little different than what I'm going to read, but for the most part, it should be similar. But the NIV says, to start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. How many of you have ever heard that verse before? Okay, number of hands. Very common verse. And here's something that we need to understand about Proverbs and the book of Proverbs is these are general principles. These are general truths. Okay, these are not necessarily guarantees. Because you can have a family that absolutely pours their heart into a young person, but then as they get older and they become an adult, they begin to make their own decisions, and perhaps those decisions are off in a direction that's not pleasing to God, and then you cling to a verse like this, and you're going, but God, this is what this verse says, and you might be wrestling with this, and I want us to take some time here to navigate this verse a little bit deeper today. This verse is not a guarantee, but it is a general principle. It's normally the case. Train a child in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they'll not turn from it. This is a pattern of likely success. Okay? Other Proverbs, you might see a pattern of likely failure. These are general principles. These are general truths. So start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Because this is a very familiar verse, one that's quoted often, there's a few things that can be a little bit of a concern with this particular verse. One concern is that this verse can actually give people a false sense of hope. 
Okay, and just hear me before you just write me off on that, because I think Scripture should give us a sense of hope. But if there's some misunderstanding with this, and you're saying this is what it is every time, you're setting yourself up for some false hope. Because what happens when you actually have a child that goes off in adulthood and begins to make some decisions that are just breaking your heart? But if you cling to a verse like this and you say, well, I trained them and they're just going to come back. That's what that verse says. And so you have this false sense of hope and here's what can happen. Because you cling to that verse like an absolute thing, what can happen is, is that you might get a little lazy in your prayers for that child. You might get a little bit lackadaisical in your outreach toward that child. And you go, well, train a child in ways to go. I did that. I set them up for success. Now they're making adult decisions, and they're going to learn some things the hard way, and I'm just going to stand back and watch God do some things, hopefully. But here's the thing. If you have that false sense of hope, it can actually prevent you from doing the things you need to do as a parent or as a grandparent. I need to be reaching out to this child. I need to be in prayer for this child and be diligent to continue your pursuit of that child. This verse can also give people a false sense of guilt. Okay? So here's what can happen with that. The parents, they mean well, and by the grace of God, they try to train this child in the way they should go. This child goes on to adulthood. They begin making very, very poor decisions. They're not living for the Lord. And then mom and dad sit there and they just feel like, where in the world did we screw up? Where did we miss the mark here? And they begin to heap all of this guilt on themselves because they think, well, this is what the verse says, and evidently we must not have done a very good job of training this child because clearly they're wayward. They're going off and doing something that is breaking our heart. And that false sense of guilt, that's a really rough place to be. Okay, the other thing that this verse can do if we take this out of context is it can cause us to doubt God's word. If these things are not happening for our adult children, we go, well, God, what's the deal here? This is what the verse says. And so we wrestle with that and we go, does God really mean what he says? Well, if we understand these proverbs as general truths that should help us. I'm not saying that this is the way it's going to be every single time. And that's why it's important to understand that this verse is a principle. And with all of that said, I, I cannot emphasize this point enough. Pray, pray, pray for your children and your grandchildren. Do not live in this false hope where you just assume everything's going to work out. There's things that you can be doing. Do not beat yourself up with this false sense of guilt. Combat that guilt with prayer. And do not doubt God's word. Come to him knowing that God is with you in the midst of this. And he loves them more than you do. Think of that. So it's possible as I'm sharing this verse with you today, and some of this is geared towards these eighth grade students, but there might be somebody listening right now that you have a prodigal child or a prodigal grandchild. And so as this verse comes to us today, you're, 
there's things stirring in you, and there might be a weight, there might be a heaviness to that. And in the story of the prodigal child where the the son goes off and and just spends lavishly the inheritance and gets to a point where once all of that is gone, he's sitting in a pig pen and he's hungry. And there comes a point where he comes to his senses because he's like, I have lowered myself to the point of eating pig food because of the decisions that I've made. So he comes to his senses. And, and with that in mind, I think a, a verse like this, a message like this, with this many people gathered around the word, there's a lot of life circumstances. And when I say pray, 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 I mean pray, pray, pray. And our prayer right now is going to be that these people that are on your heart would come to their senses and would realize their need for Jesus Christ and they would begin to pursue him, to get on the path of righteousness. And when I say pray, 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 I mean it. So we're going to stop right now and we're going to take some time in prayer corporately for these people that might be on your heart. And so would you bow your heads with me as we pray? <coughs> Heavenly Father, we come to you as children in need of help. As a father, you know the pain of a wandering child. You know the pain of of someone who is separating themselves because they're not respecting you. They don't fear you. You know this way more than we do. And Father, you know there's people on our hearts right now that, Lord, we would desire to see them walking in a relationship with you, recognizing their need for you in their life. And so, Father, we come to you asking for your grace to touch these individuals, to draw their heart to the foot of the cross. And they surrender their lives to you. Lord, we know that's what's best. And there's such life that comes from a relationship with Jesus. And so, Lord, we ask that you would cause these people to come to their senses. And look to Jesus. The one who has great purpose and the one who has great plans For their life, I pray that they would enter into those things by calling out on the name of Jesus. Lord, we commit these people to you. You know all the details. And we pray, Lord, that you would touch their hearts today. And Lord, if this is something that is very difficult, a heavy burden for someone listening right now, I pray, Lord, that you would enter into that burden right now and just speak peace over them. And, Lord, help them. And to know, Lord, that you love this child more than they do. You love this grandchild more than they do. I pray that, Lord, you would give them a peace. I pray that you would be at work in these situations. In Jesus' name, amen.
that's part one. Okay, part two. This is kind of one of those moments where you're watching a movie and then all of a sudden you hear the record player like scrape, you know, like we'd all just freeze because wait a second. In my study of this verse this week, I found something very interesting. And this may seem like I'm totally blowing this message to pieces, so I'm stepping out on a limb here that you hang with me through this entire process. This verse may not actually mean what we often think. I found this very fascinating. The idea of this verse is the same, but the way the Hebrew language rolls, it's a little bit different. I mean, the way we read this passage is take a child and direct them in the path they should go, and then when they're older, they'll not depart from that path. But let's break this down a little bit. So the, the phrase, start children off, some translations say train up a child. The Hebrew word for that phrase is hanuk, which is uh, the word that, like, if you know the word Hanukkah, that would be the same word, and that means, like, the dedication of the temple. So hanuk means to dedicate the child, dedicate them. So train them, whatever it might be, dedicate them, start them off. That's what that word means. And then the next phrase, on the way they should go, the Hebrew language there says it this way, which might sound a little confusing, but it says, upon the mouth of his way, and not uppercase his way like God's way, upon the mouth of their way. Another way to look at that means according to his way, that being the way of the child. Now, time out. So here's, here's how I'm reading this. Dedicate a child in the way that they're bent. And then when they're older, they'll not depart. So here's where I'm seeing this, is that all of us who are born sinners, we live very selfish lives, don't we? It does not take very long for you to watch little kids at play before you realize they're sinners even at that young little age. There's a kid could be playing with a toy that nobody in the room is playing with. And then all of a sudden when one kid grabs that toy, kids are like, no, that's mine. Right, and they come over and there's this little dispute that has to be settled. Well, no, they were playing with it. You guys know what I'm talking about. There's a selfishness that is in each and every one of us. This is our bent, if you will. And so what the Hebrew language is trying to say is if you dedicate children in the direction of their sinful bent, when they're older, they will not depart from that. It's actually a warning. It's a warning for us to be diligent and making sure that we train children to not go toward their bent of their sinful nature and direct them in a whole completely different way. So another way to read this, and you think of when they're older, they'll not turn from it. Apart from the grace of God, a child that is aging just gets more and more set in their ways. That's typically the case. 
And so here's how this could read. Dedicate a child according to their way, their own way, and even when they're old, they'll not turn from it. The CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, the the way this verse reads is, start a youth out on his way, and even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. This is very interesting. And regardless of your interpretation of this verse, the idea, though, is the same. It's important for us to make sure that we are raising young people in God's ways. That's the main idea. So wherever you fall on the interpretation of this verse, this verse tells us that we must be intentional on how we are equipping young people in their journey. And we are to help aim them in the right direction. And so today I have some things with me to to sort of drive home the point of aiming these children. And the Bible talks about children being like arrows, okay? And so I've got an arrow here, and uh, on this arrow are the names of each of the students uh, that are being affirmed. They will get to go home with this arrow to remember that they are an arrow. And these arrows, we, we try to, to aim them in the way that they should go. Okay? And if they want to go their own way, I'm telling you, the older they get, the harder they'll be set in those ways. If you want to interpret it the other way is we try to aim them in the way they should go and we hope by the grace of God they will not depart from that. And so... I can't just take an arrow and just kind of aim it with my eye and just throw it at something. I need something to go with it, right? Like a a bow. And so I have a bow with me as well. I'm not going to shoot this at anybody, I promise. Okay? So here's the thing. The kid's natural bent is selfishness. And before we think we're picking on eighth graders, our natural bent is selfishness. Okay? And if I want what I want, it is the opposite of the gospel. And so I'm already aimed in the opposite direction of the cross. And so for us as as a church for you as, as parents and grandparents and people who are serving in the church, trying to help young people figure out, not their way, but figure out God's way, we have to turn them toward, what do you think? The cross. We aim them. We guide them. We dedicate them toward Christ. That's not their natural bent. But it takes a whole lot of people, and it takes that prayer that we just talked about, and it takes sacrifice to do these things. And it might be very difficult, but it's important. Because if we don't teach young people to realize that it's not about them, it's actually about Jesus, they'll grow up thinking that it's all about them. And so there's something that has to happen, and they have to die to their own desires. That's a really hard thing to do. Hey, eighth graders, there are grown people right now that are listening to me that struggle with dying to their own desires. I'm not just picking 
on eighth graders. We have to learn what it means to die to ourselves and aim ourselves toward the cross. The cross can be a very offensive thing for those who are selfish, but for those who realize I need God's grace in my life and I want his help, we go to the cross and we receive a grace that comes to us that we would not get if we chose to stay in our own direction. So we dedicate a child, we start them off in the way they should go. If, if we as parents, if we as grandparents, if we as a church say, hey, whatever you want to do, follow your heart. You know, God will bless it all the way, you know. And we encourage them to just do whatever's going on in, inside. And we say, you know what, maybe, maybe what we need to tell kids is, I, I know this might be hard to hear, but the gospel actually confronts you. And the gospel says, life's not about you. Oh, poor little Johnny. Life's not about you. That's truth. Life is not about you. And what we need to teach them is that life is about Jesus. And we need to aim them in that direction. And so with that in mind, I I start to think through just that process of aiming and how important that is for not only us as parents, but for us as a church. This is a great task. This is a huge task. Aiming kids and trying to help them learn that it's not about themselves. That's not a warm and fuzzy message. The world is constantly telling them it's about them. The world is feeding selfishness. The Bible says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And listen to me closely. Training children in godliness is going to be contrary to the culture in which we live. Our culture absolutely hates God's ways. And they don't want young people to walk in God's ways. You are going against the grain when it comes to raising children. And you're going against the grain every day. Now, instead of becoming frustrated with that or overwhelmed with that and thinking these arrows are going to be shot off into this world that is decaying, and you just see the moral decay going on and you think, oh my goodness, these kids, what are they going to face? I want to tell you this right now. God knows this. He has brought them into this world for such a time as this. And so that's all the more important to make sure that we're aiming them properly because they're going to be world changers. And being overwhelmed by the culture would just give in to the fear that the enemy wants us to to have, feeling like we're overwhelmed, overcome. But these are arrows we're shooting out into this dark world and God is going to use them to advance the kingdom. We must equip them. We must aim them. Our job is to point them in a different direction than themselves. Point them toward the cross, telling them you must die to yourself. What a just heartwarming message for young people. You must die to yourself. You can't pave your own path. 
Follow the path that God wants you to have. Here's another one. This is from John. He says, Jesus must become greater and greater, and you must become less and less. This is opposite of what our culture tells the kids. They're like, no, you must, you must be the center of attention. You must do what your heart tells you. You must do this. You must do this. The Bible's clear. You must make Jesus a big deal in your life. Deuteronomy 6, known as the Shema, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then it says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them upon your children. And talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. And write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Another way to just walk through this in simplified terms Being parents or grandparents who are leaving a godly legacy is not just simply a family devotional from time to time. This is a way of life. Parents and grandparents have to choose, are they willing to die for the sake of the gospel? And listen, more is caught than taught. And young people see those who are older in the faith, and we go, how are they living? Are they living selfish lives, or are they living gospel-centered lives where they say, no, it's about the cross, it's not about me? In a message I was listening to this week, um, there was a quote regarding J.D. Greer, famous pastor and speaker, and he says this, this is the best parenting advice that he's ever heard, and it's real simple. From the ages of zero to six years old, Teach your kids the word no. That's contrary to our culture, but teach them the word no. That's a good thing. And then from 7 to 12 years old, pump them so full of the Bible that when you push them, that's what comes out. Okay? And then from 13 years old up, it says walk beside them as they're trying to understand the Bible, and they're trying to work out the scriptures in a practical way. The three tips that J.D. Greer said was the best parenting advice that he's ever heard. When the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.15, one of the things he tells him, he refers back to, to Timothy's childhood And he says, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. Somebody was involved in that process in Timothy's life. He says, and they, referring to these people, they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Now, two chapters earlier, Paul actually commends a couple of people who would have been pouring in to Timothy. And he says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. You see these people, parents, grandparents, pouring in to their child or their grandchildren the legacy of faith. And then in 3 John 
chapter 1, verse 4. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. It's important for us to be diligent in matters of aiming these kids in the right direction. So parents, grandparents, people of Faith Community Church, I just want to say this. Let us not put a lid on our kids' spiritual growth. Let us be people who are actually a catalyst to their growth. The greatest gift that you can give a child besides Jesus is a mom or a dad or a grandpa, a grandma, a family member or a friend who is absolutely in love with Jesus. And kids see these things and they know that it's real. They see it at work in your life. As the Bible says, dedicate a child according to his way. Even when that way is wrong, guess what? When they're older, they'll be so set in their ways, it'll be more and more difficult. It'll be more and more difficult to see them turn towards Christ. But here's the thing. I I think it would be heavy to end on that note because there's a beauty in the grace of God that no matter how far I've wandered or how badly I've messed up, how badly I've missed the mark, which by the way, the word missed the mark to sin is an archery term. So even if we shoot in the wrong direction, God's grace is available to all of us to set us on the right path. And so there's an opportunity for all of us today. Lord, I want to make sure I'm aiming for the cross Even if that means that I have to die to myself, I know that's what I should do. And so we go to the Lord here in prayer. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I just start by confessing that we are very selfish, self-centered people. And we will always want to do things our way until we submit to your Spirit's voice. And right now, I believe your Spirit is speaking to each of our hearts, to each of our lives. Helping to guide us, helping to aim us in the right direction. The direction of the cross. So Lord, I pray that you would remind us of your grace, that when we do fall short, there you are, ready to help refocus us and get us back onto your path. And Father, I am praying right now, there might be somebody listening that they think through their own life and maybe there's a point where they not called out to you and asked that you would save them from their sin. And knowing Jesus, that you came to this earth to die for that person so that they could be set free. If they're desiring that relationship with you today, I want to pray with them. If you want to put your faith and trust in Christ, just simply pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, I surrender. I've been trying to do things in my own way.
But today, I feel like you're telling me I need to, to turn to the cross and to die to myself and to live for Christ. Today, I'm asking for forgiveness of my sin, that you would cleanse me, you'd make me new. Today, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. And I believe that you died for me and that you rose from the dead and that through your life, I can have life too. Thank you for this gift of salvation received by grace through faith. Pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we sing this song together in response, um, we're going to be transitioning here after this song into the affirmation recognition. And so I'm going to just share a prayer of blessing um, over uh, just us as a congregation and for those who are tuning in online. And then we'll transition here into this time of affirmation. So would you pray with me before we sing together? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time of worship today. And Lord, we want to listen to your Spirit's voice. As soon as we leave a service like this, we'll be confronted with decisions. Do I do things for myself or do I do things for Jesus? I pray that your Spirit will help us. Help us to choose Jesus. Help us to say yes to Jesus' plans, even if it's hard because it means we have to let go of some things. So I ask for a blessing over every home today, Lord. Help us to practically walk out our relationship with you to your honor and to your glory. We thank you. Father, I ask your blessing over the tithe and offering this week. Please use it to advance your kingdom. It's all about Jesus. Help us to steward these resources in such a manner. Father, please have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.